Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 16 of The Display Show. I'm Brian Berkeley, your host, here to discuss new developments from the electronic display world. Today's guest is Dr. Eric Biret. Eric serves as Senior Display Market and Technology Analyst at Yol Development. Prior to that, he drove Yol's LED and Sapphire activities. Since 2009, Eric has contributed to numerous custom projects in the LED, Sapphire, and display industries and has authored multiple market reports. Eric has spoken at more than 25 industry conferences and has been interviewed or quoted by The Wall Street Journal, CNN, Fox News, CNBC, Bloomberg, Forbes, MIT's Tech Review, and Photonic Spectra. Prior to Yol, he held various R&D, engineering, manufacturing, and marketing positions with Saint-Gobain in France and the United States. Eric received his PhD in optoelectronics from the National Polytechnic Institute of Grenoble. Today, Eric and I discussed mini-LED and especially micro-LED displays. We covered the definition of mini versus micro-LEDs, the importance of micro-LEDs to Apple and their disruptive approach to micro-LED displays, the Cambrian explosion in technology, including QD micro-LEDs and micro-LED display adoption trends and product forecasts. Please don't forget to subscribe and click the bell for notifications when new episodes are released. Now, on with the show. Eric, thanks for joining us today and welcome to The Display Show. Thanks, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Micro-LED displays are a hot topic in our industry. There have been lots of prototypes in recent years, as shown here. And on this next graphic, you can see the first commercial products coming to market last year and now in 2022. I should probably also explain that when we talk about mini and micro-LED displays, we are generally referring to displays that use small LEDs to form their subpixels. That means that a mini-LED or a micro-LED display is different from LCD displays that use LEDs or mini-LEDs as their backlight. We'll show a graphic in a moment to explain the difference. Today, we're talking mostly about mini-LED displays and especially micro-LED displays. These displays, especially micro-LED displays, have made a big splash due to their high quality, including fast response time, completely dark black levels, best-in-class angle of view, and other strong performance characteristics. As I just showed, we've begun to see these displays enter the marketplace. And for this specific new category of displays, there are very few people in the world who know more about this field than Eric. So Eric, we're really glad to have you here today. Thanks, Brian. Uh, thanks for the introduction. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. I've been uh, watching the display show since uh, episode one, and it's, it's already became a, a cult classic for me. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, before we dive into the technology, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, YOL, and your role there? Sure. Uh, so in, uh, I'm a senior analyst uh, display at uh, YOL Development, uh, which is a, a consulting and marketing uh, research company. We cover the semiconductor industry in a broad sense, the, the traditional uh, microprocessors, memories, etc., but also photonic sensing, display, power, and wireless, etc. I think we, we are usually well known for our off-the-shelf report, but uh, the bulk of the activity is actually uh, consulting projects with uh, with different companies. And what's also probably lesser known is that uh, YOL development is part of a larger group of companies that has about 150 collaborators. Uh, we do uh, all kind of market researches and technology scouting. We're involved in uh, M&A uh, due diligence on both the sales side and outside. Uh, we also have uh, our System Plus uh, consulting uh, division, uh, which is a uh, Quite unusual in the realm of uh, market research companies. Uh, they do uh, tear down and reverse engineering, cost simulation, so they can take any device, uh, tear it down to a very, very fine level of details. Uh, they can look at a specific component, say uh, a display or a camera sensors, and, and tell you exactly all the lithography mask level, the materials, etc. So I, uh, I would say we're probably one of the first market research companies, if not the only one, uh, to have a clean room. And uh, we operate like, uh, I guess, um, most of the leading uh, market research company. We usually talk to, or we try to talk to every player uh, in the entire supply chain, goes from uh, equipment suppliers, um, device, OEM, 
material suppliers, etc. So we conduct many, many interviews. We go to a lot of trade shows, events every year. We, we try to be quite visible. And I, uh, I would say we don't just monitor the industry. We, we are part of the industry. Yeah, I, I know you've been coming to SID for many years in a row, and we certainly appreciate your participation there. Oh, it's, it's the mecca of display. The mecca. <laughs> now, um, a, a moment ago, I was speaking about the difference between LCDs versus mini and micro LED displays. So please give our viewers more explanation, and, and maybe a graphic will help here. Sure. Uh, so, so maybe starting from scratch, uh, I don't know how familiar your viewers are uh, intimately with the different uh, display technologies. So the, the, the most common one spread is the LCD, and the LCD is what I would call uh, indirect uh, display technology in the sense that the, the light the viewer receives comes from a, a white LED backlight that is positioned at the back of the displays. And that white light uh, goes through a, a matrix, basically, of a very small liquid crystal light switches that can either block the light or uh, let it go through a pattern red, green, and blue color filters that constitute the individual subpixels. So what the viewer sees is actually the light that has been growing through all those stacks of material. And uh, this is inherently quite inefficient because, uh, say, the red color filter is going to filter out the green and the blue, etc. So overall, the overall stack, uh, depending on the technologies, the resolution, uh, typically the, the overall efficiency of a LCD display is anywhere between 4 to 8%. So compare that to what we call a self-emissive display, and uh, the most well-known example is OLED. In a self-emissive display, every single sub-pixel is a tiny light source that is individually uh, controllable and uh, emits its own light. So it can be done as represented here uh, using directly red, green, and blue OLEDs. Or in uh, today's OLED TV, it's a white OLED that still goes through a, a pattern color filter. And more recently, uh, we've seen the emergence at uh, Samsung displays and um, brands like Sony and hopefully Samsung Electronic Lecture this year, we'll have the first QD OLED uh, displays, which are much more potentially much more energy efficient. So, uh, I encourage you actually to uh, go back to the, the previous episode, I think the February episode of the display show where uh, QD OLED is discussed extensively. Yeah, we, we talked about that in episode number 15. Okay, perfect. Um, and you can also look at uh, some uh, other videos uh, out there. Uh, Jeff Urek has an excellent video uh, explaining in details what is a pixel. Um, but going now more specifically to, uh, to micro-LEDs, so micro-LEDs are in a sense quite similar to OLED in the sense that they are self-emissive uh, technologies. The difference is that unlike OLED that can be uh, manufactured over a very large surface, you can deposit the OLED materials directly on what is called the, the display backplane, the electronic that is going to drive the, uh, the pixels. Uh, you cannot do that with uh, inorganic LEDs. So they have to be manufactured on uh, traditional semiconductor uh, technologies on small wafers anywhere from 4 inch to maximum 12 inch. And the art of making a micro-LED display is consists then in uh, uh, singulating uh, all those micro-LEDs and assembling them onto the display backplane. And you can do it the way it's shown here, uh, starting from red, green, and blue LED wafers. Or you can actually do it starting from just a blue or even UV uh, micro-LEDs and combine them uh, with a pattern uh, quantum dot or color converter layer. So uh, this is, in a sense, very similar to the QD OLED structures, except that the emitter is no longer organic LED, but an inorganic blue LED. Well, I'm going to want to come back to that image on the right there and talk about color conversion more a little bit later. But I probably should jump in here to explain the difference between micro LED and micro OLED displays. Those two sometimes get conflated, but for clarity, as your slide here says, micro-LED displays are comprised of discrete 
inorganic LEDs. So for completeness, here's an image of a micro OLED display. Uh, my colleague, Amal Ghosh, is the chief operating officer of Imagine, and also he's a past president of SID. These images show Imagine's micro OLED displays, and it's easiest to think of a micro OLED display as an OLED display with, with a very fine pitch, say 2,000 ppi or even higher. But micro OLED composition and fabrication, Eric, as you've just explained, is completely different from micro LEDs. So going back to your graphic, that's a very good depiction of a micro LED display. And talking about mini LED versus micro LED displays, I'll mention that there is some disagreement or even industry confusion as to what is mini versus what is micro. As just one example, when Samsung introduced the wall display in 2018, they called it a micro-LED display, but I would consider that display to actually be a mini-LED display. And by the way, it's a beautiful display. We used it in the conference room at one of our ICDM standardization meetings. Eric, please help us to understand the dividing line between mini-LED and micro-LED displays. Yes, indeed, there's a lot of confusion out there because there is no commonly accepted definition of what is a micro-LED, what is a mini-LED. So there's a lot of confusion and a little bit of abuse by some marketing departments uh, <laughs> in some companies. So the, the way we look at it, uh, I think most people are familiar with traditional LEDs. They are now really uh, widespread in light bulb, automotive lighting. They're, they're everywhere and they've been used for a long time, actually, as the backlight. Uh, source for LCD displays. Uh, typically, in terms of size, they range from, uh, I would say, the smallest, 100, 200 uh, micron, up to many uh, square millimeters. Micro LED are really on the other side of the size spectrum, with sizes as small, actually, as small as a, a micron or even sub-micron sizes. Uh, the application uh, is typically uh, direct, emissive, uh, displays technologies that we just explained. And they typically come without a package. They're assembled directly uh, on the printed circuit board or on the TFT, on the display backplane. So somewhere in between, you have that gray area of mini LED, which uh, in size, I would say, range in between the, the micro LED and the traditional LEDs. And in terms of application, the bulk of the application for mini LED is actually to be used as an enhanced or supercharged uh, LCD backlight, or as you mentioned, uh, as it was the case in uh, Samsung, the wall display, uh, they can be used to create a direct view uh, LED display similar to the one you might use to see in, uh, in shopping mall, in stadiums, etc. And this is where the frontier can be a little bit blurred, because if you take one of those um, mini LED direct view LED display uh, that you see in a shopping mall, if you shrink the die size, if you increase the resolution, and if you manage to take it down to a cost where it becomes a consumer product, then all of a sudden you have a TV. So for this particular application, the, the frontier is not very clear. But to get there, to get that to the cost of a TV, you would have to shrink uh, the size of the LED uh, down to probably less than 20 or 10 micron, which immediately makes it a, a micro LED. So the definition seems to be the die size, the LED die size uh, is, is the defining line. And, and where is the wall on this chart? So yes, indeed, we, we have the Samsung display here in the mini LED uh, categories. That was the first generation of the wall that was using a 125 by 225 micron uh, size LED. So, so very typical mini LED size. Uh, since then, Samsung has released their first micro-LED TV uh, last year that was using a much smaller die, about 75 to 125. We, we are slowly getting into micro-LED territories. And this year's generation, the 2022, is going to be using uh, die uh, micro-LEDs that are about 30 by 60 micron uh, in size. So now, now we are officially in micro-LED territory. Well, I think we ought to say that at least the die size has to be less than 100 microns. And my inclination is to believe for a variety of reasons that it's going to eventually settle on 50 microns or thereabouts or less uh, to be micro LED. Um, why don't you 
Take us through some of the other products that are actually shipping today on this chart. Uh, so today, if you if you want to buy micro LED products, your your options are still fairly limited. You can buy one of those uh, Samsung TV. Uh, we believe the 110 inch will cost you about eighty thousand uh, dollars. You can buy also some uh, Viewzix uh, augmented reality glasses. They, they're more geared toward the enterprise market. Uh, but if you're really into augmented realities and technologies, uh, you can purchase them. They're available. And uh, OPPO also recently made available, but in, in very small quantities and only in, on the Chinese market. They, they released uh, some sort of augmented reality glasses that are also, also monochromatic. But uh, as of today, those are the two main products, uh, I would say three products that you can actually purchase. Uh, a lot of companies have already shown very uh, exciting prototypes for uh, automotive displays, transparent displays, uh, smartwatch displays. So we, we are hoping to see all those coming up in the market uh, over the next few years. Can you spend a moment to tell us a little more about how we got here, starting with LEDs used in backlights and then moving toward use of LEDs as the actual subpixels. Sure, yeah. So the, the, the first LCD displays were uh, using uh, a fluorescent backlight, actually. Uh, LED really entered the market around 2008, 2009. Uh, now they're 100% uh, market for, for LCD backlight. So initially, the backlight was just an uniform white source. As the technology developed, uh, we're starting to be able to first adjust at least the intensity of that uh, backlight to adjust to the content of the image so that a very dark uh, image could have darker, uh, lower dark levels. And then we're starting seeing all kind of dimming technology improving from just one-dimensional edge dimming uh, where you just adjust the lightening uh, different areas uh, in the displays to what we call a full array local dimming where you have a, a much better resolution and the ability to uh, adjust the brightness of the backlight and therefore the ability to better control the contrast on the final uh, displays. And the most current and uh, recent generation and best performing is what we call the mini LED backlight which is basically a full array local dimming, but with much higher resolution. So you can have tens of thousands and up to 96,000 mini LEDs constituting the backlight. Uh, they're divided into different zones, and each of those zones can be turned on, off, or the brightness adjusted to match the content of the, of the final display. So as you increase the number of uh, mini LED or independent zone in a backlight, you're uh, tending toward what is the absolute self-emissive displays where every single pixel uh, is uh, its own emitting device. It's very helpful to understand the evolution, how we got here, and also this distinction between mini versus micro. Um, does this mean that making mini LED displays is relatively easy? Uh, not that much. Mm. <laughs> if you Look at the detail of uh, the design, architectural, and engineering choices that go into a mini LED backlight. Uh, there's actually a lot that can be done. You can, uh, you can decide to drive the backlight using different uh, type of technology, active metrics, passive metrics. You can use a, a traditional printed circuit board um, substrate, or you can use a glass substrate. If you're using glass substrate, it can be passive or it can be a, a TFT display, TFT backlight. Um, you can use different type of TFT. You can use different number of chip size, etc. So they, there's really a, a lot of complexity uh, getting into the design of mini LED. And what it comes down in the end is to making the right trade-off or compromises between cost, complexity, and performance. And uh, it is a, a challenge for OEMs and uh, companies that are designing those backlights to figure out how do they position their product in terms of cost versus performance to try to compete against OLED. There's a lot of different approaches, and I've seen these both in terms of uh, nominations for the Display Industry Awards, the Display of the Year Awards at SID, but also I've seen them in the paper submissions 
and we'll be revealing many of those at the SID Display Week 2022 uh, coming up in May. Can you please explain the cost and performance trade-offs for display makers? Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, uh, there's a lot of uh, compromises that can be made or trade-offs that can be made in designing a mini LED displays. And what's happening is, uh, as of today, even if OLED are coming down in cost and over the last year or so, we saw uh, LCD temporarily uh, increase, there's still a very significant gap uh, between the cost of LCD and OLED. And this actually uh, allows the mini LED or LCD designers uh, to come up with different kind of uh, trade-off to address different market segments uh, within that gap. So you can either try to get the best performance possible to really go after OLED. Uh, this is typically going to mean higher cost for your mini LED backlight, uh, but you can get close to OLED contrast, you can get higher brightness, etc. Uh, or you can go uh, after like the more mid-range. And I think there's a card to be played here in mini-LED because as uh, the cost of OLED comes down, OLED uh, are eager to address the, the, the mid-range of the market. Whereas at the same time, this is the, the bulk of the LCD business. And by combining, say, mini-LED with quantum dots, uh, you can get to a level of performance that maybe will prevent OLED from completely trickling down into the LCD bread and butter uh, market. I'd like to click up a level to talk about uh, micro LEDs. I guess I want to know about why going to the trouble considering the cost and manufacturing complexity. What are the benefits of micro LEDs compared to OLED-based displays? Ultimately, uh, being a self-emissive display is just like OLED. Uh, Micro-LED retain all the benefits uh, of OLED. That is the, the perfect black, uh, good contrast, the fast refresh rate, wide viewing angles, etc. Uh, and the ability to make a, a curved or flexible display. But on top of that, uh, Micro-LED could bring other benefits such as a lower power consumption, uh, which is absolutely critical in mobile devices. Uh, the brightness could be much, much higher, and uh, this is important. In could be important in TVs and also in uh, mobile displays for outdoors and readabilities. Uh, but it's also extremely important for augmented reality uh, devices, where uh, for a lot of reasons you need a lot of brightness. You need a very bright displays. We we are talking brightness of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of nits. Uh, that are required for those augmented reality glasses to be able to compete with uh, the outdoor, with the real world, uh, direct view of the sun, etc. Uh, also, potential benefits of micro LEDs uh, that are interested for different industry are the, the ruggedness and the ability of micro LED to operate over a wide range of temperature. They're also not sensitive to uh, oxygen, moisture, etc. So you, you don't need to deploy like complex and expensive encapsulation technologies to protect your inorganic LEDs. So this is, uh, this is potentially significant benefits and uh, the automakers like uh, the potential high brightness, ruggedness of, uh, of micro LEDs. Uh, they also intrinsically because of their design where you assemble those micro LEDs onto the back plane, you can also imagine uh, assembling at the same time all kind of micro ICs that could be sensors, drivers, etc. And this opens the door to the ability of um, including, inserting all kinds of sensors. I'm talking fingerprint, cameras, uh, gesture sensing, etc. Uh, within the front plane of the displays. And finally, there's uh, actually unique capabilities of um, MicroLED, which is the ability to create very large displays by seamlessly tiling uh, smaller modules. And if you look at the current uh, MicroLED TVs that's available this year from Samsung, uh, this is how it's made. Uh, the 89-inch is actually uh, a collection of 49 modules that are about 12.7-inch each. Uh, that are assembled seamlessly. And, uh, and the seamless aspect is very important because you cannot do that with OLED or LCD. 
simply because the LCD, you need a seal uh, to keep your liquid crystal uh, in place. And with OLED, you need a little bit of room on the edge of the display uh, for that encapsulation that protects, uh, protects the uh, organic material. So with micro LED, there's no need for that, and you can really create uh, a seamless display. I'm not, say, I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, if you are looking very closely at the first generation of those micro LED TVs, uh, if you knew what you were looking for, uh, it was fairly easy to spot those seams. And of course, this is unacceptable for consumer displays. I have to give credit to Samsung that I was quite impressed this year uh, at CES by their newest generation of uh, micro LED TVs. Uh, no matter how hard I was trying, I couldn't find any sign of the of the seams between the tiles. So uh, it seems like uh, it seems like we are getting there. Well, there is surely a lot of interest in LED-based displays, especially the micro LED displays. In our work on the SID program committee, I, I just mentioned that a moment ago. Uh, but over the past few years, we've seen a surge in the submission of papers on micro-LED developments. And I think you had a chart showing the growth in, in patents over recent years. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm really excited. First, I want to say I'm really excited to be back to uh, Display Week in person this year. And uh, just like you, I've seen the, the micro-LED uh, aspect growing from just like a, a small session in a small room to uh, almost a conference within the conference. Uh, so it's it's challenging to um, uh, when we talk about micro LED, we are talking about the technologies that doesn't exist yet in the sense that there is no uh, high volume consumer product. So uh, we can't try to quantify uh, the market by looking at uh, sales and volumes. So a good proxy in that case is to look at the intellectual property activity. And uh, we've been doing that since uh, 2016 uh, with Yol and some partner companies. And what you can see here is the number of micro-LED display uh, patents that have been filed over the past uh, two decades. And you can really see that exponential growth, uh, especially since uh, Apple acquired uh, MicroAD startup LuxView in 2014. So you see this exponential growth, and you can see that it's uh, driven today, it's driven mostly by display makers, traditional display makers. They, a lot of them were a little bit late uh, to start. Uh, I think MicroLEDs was maybe falling too far from home in terms of the core technology uh, it involves, or maybe they didn't see the threat, at least until Apple showed interest into it. Uh, but since around 2018, uh, as you can see there, there there's a very, very uh, strong uh, intake of uh, micro LED patents coming from traditional display companies. And by that, I mean, of course, the LG, Samsung, the BOE, CSOT, Tianma, AUO, Inolux, etc. So I would say now everybody is in the game. You know, that's quite a hockey stick. When, when, when you look at the sudden explosion in the number of, of patent applications, and I appreciate your sharing that uh, slide with us today. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit more about Apple. I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. While everybody is excited, especially about the potential for uh, micro LEDs, there are also some very significant challenges toward their mass deployment. And so, Eric, I'd appreciate if you could give us an overview of the primary challenges for micro LED displays. Yes, so uh, it's definitely not a slam dunk. And there's a, a lot of technology bricks that needs to come together, and there's still a lot of challenges. Um, we, we're talking about uh, the LED efficiency and their cost, uh, the mass transfer, uh, which is probably, uh, at least at first glance, the, the single largest challenge for micro LEDs. Uh, and there's a lot of technology uh, issues, the color conversion, light extraction, uh, how do you drive those micro-LEDs? They're different from OLEDs. Uh, the yield and defect management is also, uh, I would say, as of today, is probably one of the single largest remaining challenge for, uh, for micro-LEDs. So, so there's a lot that still uh, needs to be done. And, uh, and we've seen a lot of great prototypes over the year, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done to uh, iron out the, uh, the latest details. Well, let's start with the die transfer and assembly. And uh, 
Eric, as you pointed out earlier, LEDs are not fabricated directly onto a backplane in the way that active matrix transistors can be fabricated onto the backplane. And therefore, the LEDs are fabricated in an MOCVD reactor or, or what they call metal organic chemical vapor deposition, which is a, a special type of epitaxy process. And then the dyes have to be transferred, mass transferred, and assembled onto the substrate. So that's the genesis of this mass transfer requirement. Uh, so can you tell us about the challenges for mass transfer and assembly? Totally. So it's, uh, as you just said, you, you can have literally hundreds of millions of micro LEDs on a single wafer, and you need to somehow transfer that and assemble and do a mechanical and electrical connection uh, to the display bike plane. So to, to put that in perspective, if you're trying to make, say, a 8K TV, it means assembling 100 million micro LEDs that are the size of a bacteria with an accuracy of about plus one minus micron. And for cost reason, you want to be able to do that in less than 10 minutes. Um, so if you were to use existing semiconductor pick and place equipment, there are tools that just come pick up a component from a wafer and put it on the substrate where it's supposed to be. If you were to use some of those standard uh, equipment today, it would take about 10 years to assemble a single TV. So there's definitely a need for uh, new uh, transfer and assembly technologies uh, that are really highly disruptive in terms of their throughput. We are talking about five orders of magnitude differences. To be honest, when I first started getting interested in micro LEDs and I saw, I started understanding that challenge, I was thinking, okay, I need to look, I need to move to a different industry. This is not going to work. Uh, but then we started looking at uh, patterns, talking to a lot of people, and I was really stunned by the amount of creativity that people, scientists and engineers were coming up with to solve this problem. And, and it, it started to become more and more uh, realistic. So there, there are a lot of technologies or processes that uh, could potentially allow you to, to do that. Uh, the most, uh, at a high level, the, the, the two major families are what I call the, the deterministic uh, stamp printing, uh, which in essence is uh, a typical pick and place, except that rather than moving one die at a time, you move a stamp that can pick up thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, of die at a time. So we, uh, we have a video from one of the pioneering companies in that field, uh, Exceli Print, uh, we chose that. So you, you can see on that video uh, the stamp picking up, uh, say, red micro LED from the donor wafer, assembling them on a back plane, and then repeating the operation uh, with the blue. And then, of course, you can imagine doing the same thing with the green. You can also imagine bringing up some sensors, micro drivers, uh, etc. So that's what I call deterministic uh, stamp printing uh, in the sense that uh, the position of the micro LED is never lost. Uh, position, you have what I call the self-assembly, and in this case, a fluidic self-assembly. So here, the micro LEDs are harvested uh, from the wafer. They're detached from the wafers and literally like thrown in bulk into a fluid without any other organization. And then the art of uh, fluidic self-assembly consists in uh, flowing those micro-LED, as you can see on this video uh, from uh, Elux, flowing those micro-LEDs uh, above the display backplane, which features some capture wells. And by a combination of uh, capture wells, shape, and usually some external forces, such as electromagnetic, electrostatic forces, uh, you can end up positioning every single micro LED in its own well. And it's done in a very massively parallel fashion. This one kind of reminds me of a, a company called Alien. Um, I don't know if you uh, are familiar, but Absolutely. it seems like they were yes. trying something very similar to this many years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, so Alien Technology definitely, in my opinion, pioneered this, uh, this uh, self-assembly. I think uh, what they were looking at initially was some uh, RFID technologies, and, uh, but they, they, they really have a lot of seminal patents uh, in this field. And uh, when you look specifically at the display area, uh, Elux is probably the one that has been uh, championing this approach. But uh, 
Interestingly, uh, it seems like for, for a couple of years, uh, Swedish self-assembly went a little bit out of fashion. Uh, people started thinking, uh, maybe it's going to be difficult for very small LEDs, etc. And then all of a sudden, in, uh, at least in terms of intellectual property, we, we saw a very strong comeback uh, of interest for Swedish self-assembly, uh, including from some of the leading display makers, which are... Uh, right now filing a lot of patents on different types of uh, self-assembly. So de definitely something to keep an eye on. I've got probably dozens of other questions on this. Uh, for instance, uh, they're LEDs, so they have to be in the right orientation. Um, uh, but we don't have to get into all of that right now. I just uh, I find that uh, an interesting approach as well. Um, what, what about laser mass transfer approach? Yes, if you if you look so uh, if you look at the variety of uh, transfer technologies, they can be organized at a high level, as I just showed, by process types. But then, uh, depending on the process, there are different mechanism forces that are used to pick up the die, different mechanism that are used to hold them in place, different mechanism to release the die. And uh, one technology that's definitely gathered a lot of uh, buzz and excitement over the past uh, two, three years are uh, laser-based transfers. So here the, the, the laser is really uh, here to detach the dye. And one of the key benefits of laser is the ability to uh, operate selectively. So say you have a, a donor wafers with millions of micro LEDs. Uh, with a laser, uh, you can selectively which one are going to be transferred. And uh, for a lot of reasons, including uh, yield management, uh, this could be a, a very key uh, capabilities. So we are seeing more and more uh, laser transfer process. We have some off-the-shelf uh, laser equipment that are available now. Uh, I remember that the company, uh, MicroAD startup Glow, uh, really pioneered uh, this field in a sense that, uh, to my knowledge, they were the first to uh, publicly demo uh, full-color RGB micro-LED displays that was uh, assembled using a laser-based technology. Well, that's, that's a good nod to our uh, sponsor because last year, Nanosys acquired Glow, so I appreciate your mentioning them. Um, Absolutely. But, but uh, there are some big challenges here, and it seems like it's this race to find the best technology for manufacturing yield and throughput. And it also seems that the approach taken could depend on the specific application area. Um, what, are, what are some of the other challenge areas and trends in this field? Yeah, so as uh, we mentioned uh, before, there's a, a lot of like major thrust areas uh, where there are still a lot of uh, challenges for, for micro LEDs. So we, we, we've classified, organized those in, uh, in different uh, technology blocks. And uh, so we discussed the transfer and assembly. I, I think we, we are reaching kind of a, a turning point with transfer and assembly. There's been a, a, so much progress uh, accomplished over the, the last three, four years specifically. And uh, we are now seeing some um, equipments, uh, off-the-shelf equipments that are available uh, to uh, any company. So we, it used to be that um, micro-LED or, or a company wanting to do micro-LED displays would have to develop their own mass transfer process and uh, develop the equipments, etc. So now they can actually purchase off-the-shelf uh, equipment from uh, reliable and established equipment makers. So this is clearly going to accelerate the, the development cycles. And some of those tools are, I would say, already good for, for a first product. They might not be the tools that will be used for mass manufacturing of high-volume consumer products, uh, but they can already allow you to do a lot of things. So we, we are reaching the stage where I think that transfer and assembly is no longer seen as a major roadblock. I don't think we're going to look back five, 10 years from now and say micro-LED failed because of mass transfer. Uh, we are not there yet, but there's a, a clearer runway now. Uh, that said, there's still a lot of uh, challenges in terms of the, the details and the pixel display architecture. I mean, going from a, a prototypes where all the pixels light up and look okay, 
to something that is absolutely perfect, reliable, uh, with absolutely no visible defect uh, is a long stretch. So you, you need to work on your uh, pixel structure, on the driving, on the die structure. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, I think that the yield management is probably currently the, the, the single largest uh, remaining challenge. But no, overall, what's really impressive is, again, the amount of creativity that the, uh, the companies, the people involved in this technology are, uh, are bringing in. So for, for every challenge, it seems like there's like five different potential solutions that are coming up. We're still in uh, what I like to call a Cambrian explosion phases, where we are not really yet seeing a convergence or standardization of the process. Everybody is trying multiple things. If you look even at mass transfer, the, the big companies, they're looking at five, six different mass transfers um, technologies. So we're, I think, at a level where uh, we can expect to have more and more uh, consumer product soon, uh, but there's still a lot of work. And in the end, I would say MyCready is no longer a science project, but it's a gigantic engineering and manufacturing project. Um, well, and, and there are many prototypes and uh, products now even on the marketplace that bear testimony to that. Um, you had mentioned Apple, so I, I want to go back to that. Um, it's been well reported that Apple is working on micro LED displays. So without revealing anything in confidence here, can you say which approach they are taking? Yes, so uh, really based on our thorough analysis of the intellectual property landscape, uh, we, we are pretty confident that uh, we, we understand at least some of the key elements of design in, uh, in Apple's approach. Uh, and I would, say, I would say one of the most disruptive is probably uh, the use of those uh, micro-driver ICs. So in typical uh, display, be there LCD or OLED, uh, the display is driven by uh, what is called uh, the backplane, which is a, a thin film transistor uh, TFT-based uh, technologies. And those thin film transistors backplane, they are manufactured by the big ones in display industries, uh, the, the Samsung, LG, BOE, CSOT, AO, etc. Uh, it's fairly vertically organized and concentrated because uh, it's very capex intensive. Uh, nowadays, a uh, new generation OLED or even large LCD uh, fab, you're talking five, seven billion dollars. Uh, the Apple approach here is to get away with the TFT and use those micro drivers, which are uh, basically very small uh, silicon CMOS uh, micro electronic components that are assembled directly uh, on the front plane, the same way the micro LED are assembled using a mass transfer. And every single of those micro driver IC can drive we don't know, either uh, a couple of pixels or a block of who knows, 16, 32 pixels. Uh, and on top of the pixel, they can also drive sensors or whatever uh, Apple will decide to, to insert. So I, I think it's fairly disruptive in terms of the technologies. It's disruptive in terms of the capabilities that the display uh, will have, because they will be able to integrate all kinds of sensors within the displays. And it's also disruptive in terms of supply chain, because all of a sudden, you don't need the big display makers to make your own display. Uh, you can purchase the, uh, or contract the, the substrate. You have any of the silicon foundry make the microdriver IC. You can do the assembly yourself or not. But by adopting this approach, uh, Apple can potentially disrupt uh, the display supply chain. What products do you think they're targeting first? for micro LED displays. And what will be better about the displays in those products? Mm -hmm. So we, we're pretty convinced that uh, initially uh, the, the first product will be the smartwatch. We, we're expecting to see uh, micro LED smartwatch uh, as early as 2024. Um, I think the key benefits would be 
So first, in terms of the visual aspect, uh, the display should be at least as good as the best OLED on the market. Uh, but we also expect it to be brighter, which will improve uh, outdoor uh, readability and visibility. And we believe that Apple will have the ability to uh, combine these displays, as we just described, with all kinds of sensing technologies. Could be a fingerprint reader, could be gesture sensing, could be also local brightness adjustment. Uh, imagine you have a, a sun ray hitting uh, the important part of your smartwatch where you want to see your heartbeat and you can't read it because of the sun then that particular area could become brighter uh, instantaneously. Uh, I'm just reflecting here on uh, the many patents that Apple has filed on, uh, on this technology. It's, it's hard to tell exactly what they're going to be doing, uh, but I'm, I'm confident that they will come up uh, with something that will wow the users, or else they won't do it. It certainly seems like, based on the patent count um, and their acquisition of LuxView and other public information that they've got a great deal of interest in this area. There are so many different approaches being investigated and, and pursued. And uh, as an example of the different directions, even within Samsung Group, uh, there are differences in the approach being taken, for instance, by Samsung Visual Display, who makes the finished displays, and by Samsung Display, who makes the display panels. Exactly. So uh, the Samsung is a good example of uh, that complexity uh, I mentioned earlier and, uh, and the multiplicity of approaches that you have. So uh, as you just say, uh, Samsung Visual Displays, uh, which is the company that uh, basically makes the final TV and commercializes to the, uh, commercialize them to the consumer. Uh, Samsung Visual Display has been developing their own uh, technologies. They, they invested in a, a very prominent uh, microAD startup called Play Nitride. And uh, with their help, they've developed those uh, mass transfer technologies, dye technologies that are used in, uh, in the currently available uh, microLED TV, the 2022 models. So it's a, a mass transfer technology using red, green, and blue dye. But then uh, Samsung Electronics, the parent company, is betting on multiple horses because you have Samsung Display uh, Corporation, the company that makes the LCD panels or OLED panels that go into many smartphones, including uh, Apple smartphones, for example. Uh, Samsung Display is developing an entirely different uh, micro-LED technology. It's based on nanorod LEDs, so very small. Uh, they're assembled uh, by... Uh, I would call it a self-assembly uh, technology using inkjet printing. And they're using quantum dot color conversion. So if you, without going the detail into the details of this structure, it's essentially a QD OLED structure. So I once again uh, refer you to uh, uh, the February episode of the display show to understand this structure. And now imagine you take the QD OLED displays and you just replace the organic LED blue by an inorganic micro-LED, and then you have the micro-LED approach at Samsung Display. Well, I, I really want to come back to that in a moment. Um, but first, let's talk about cost. Uh, it's highly unlikely that many consumers are going to purchase a TV that costs on the order of $80,000. Uh, but as you pointed out, we've literally uh, seen such a model ship uh, recently. Please talk about yield and productivity improvements that are going to drive cost reduction and therefore consumer acceptance in this display category. Yeah, clearly. So uh, I don't think a lot of us uh, will be able to afford that $80,000 uh, TV, no matter how good it looks. Uh, so there's definitely a need for micro-LED, and today this is uh, clearly the single largest obstacle to massive adoption. Uh, there's a need to dramatically reduce cost. I'm not taking like uh, by two times or five times, we're talking 10, 20, 50 times, depending on the application. Uh, so we, we, we looked at the um, history of LCD, and uh, what you can see is that the, the cost uh, and price of LCD displays has dropped about 300 times uh, in 25 years. Uh, of course, initially, LCD was 
pretty much a greenfield uh, technology. So everything had to be invented, uh, the processes, the material, the equipment. Uh, so when you're such an early stage, of course, there's a, a lot, there are a lot of low-hanging fruits that can be uh, harvested quickly. But once all those were harvested, LCD mostly achieved the, the cost reduction through, uh, through generation scaling. Uh, using larger and larger substrates to the point that now in generation 10, uh, 10.5, fab, you can actually build uh, 675 inch on a single glass plate or uh, 865 uh, inch. Uh, micro LED, the situation is, uh, uh, is different because micro LED exists at the intersection uh, of multiple industries and technologies that are already quite mature. I'm referring here to uh, semiconductor technologies, uh, the LED industry, uh, the existing TFT uh, display industries, photonics, etc. So there's a lot of technology bricks for micro LED that are already here and available. They just need to be uh, seamlessly plugged in together, uh, maybe re-engineered for micro LEDs. But what that means is that, of course, because all those technology bricks are already mature, there is maybe no opportunities for uh, a 300 cost reduction global, but it also means that a lot of the opportunities are already here and they just need to be harvested, uh, which means that we, we can expect uh, cost reduction uh, fairly quickly. So just giving some example, just the, the die size, uh, the size of the LED. Uh, you mentioned, Brian, at the beginning of our conversation that uh, you believe that ultimately to be successful, uh, micro LED will have to be way below 50 micron, and that's absolutely right. And the main reason is cost. Um, today, the, the, the dye, the micro LED itself, is the, probably the single largest contributor uh, of the cost structure of a micro LED displays, and its cost just scale uh, with the size. So we can imagine if you go from a, a micro LED that is 100 by 100 micron to a micro LED that is 5 by 5 micron, you've already um, saved orders of magnitude uh, in cost. And the same goes for yield and repair, the transfer and assembly, etc. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. It's not easy. There's a lot of challenge. Uh, but achieving a 20x, 30, 40x uh, cost reduction is doable. We've done it on spreadsheets. Uh, now the question is, how does it translate in real life? But uh, based on the current level of interest we see in, uh, in micro LED, I would assume that a lot of display makers have similar spreadsheets to ours. Along those lines, Nanasys is sponsoring these talks, so I feel compelled to go back to a point that we just touched on and, and that we had, you had touched upon earlier as well. It seems that color conversion technology through quantum dots or some other technology uh, could simplify the manufacturing of micro-LED displays and improve their performance. Uh, for one thing, instead of having to deal with separate kinds of LEDs for each of red, green, and blue, it would be simpler to only have to handle a single type of uh, LED, namely blue only. Another point is that green LEDs, and especially red micro LEDs, have efficiency issues that, that could be solved by using only blue LEDs and then apply color conversion. Um, can you elaborate on quantum efficiency and the potential for using blue micro LEDs with color conversion? Yes, indeed. So the, one of the key promises of micro LED is, uh, is efficiency and uh, ultimately the potential for uh, drawing much less on the battery for, for mobile displays. And if you look at traditional LED, uh, they are indeed much more efficient than OLED. Uh, and I'm talking by traditional LED, I'm talking about larger size LED, more than 100 micron and up to millimeter uh, size. So if you look at the, what's called the external quantum efficiencies uh, of LEDs versus OLED, uh, you're way higher for every single color. The challenge with micro-LEDs is that as you start decreasing uh, the size, the efficiency comes down. Now, I won't go into the details, but the, the, this has to do with uh, the manufacturing processes, uh, mainly, and the, the harsh etching processes uh, that are required to manufacture those micro-LED, which damage the, the edges. Yeah, so this loss of efficiency with smaller size is not intrinsic to micro-LED. Uh, it's mostly, as of today, uh, a manufacturing and process challenge, but it's, it's not an easy one. Uh, 
Uh, and the result is that uh, the smaller the micro AED go, uh, the less efficient they are. And as we just said, those micro AEDs, they need to be very small to be cost uh, competitive with other technology. So if you look at this chart, you see that when you are around five micron micro LEDs, the, the blue is still more efficient than OLED, but the green and especially the red uh, are actually uh, pretty, pretty bad compared to OLED. So you would say, okay, maybe the red is bad, but uh, the blue is so good uh, that it will make it up. Unfortunately, if you look at the power distribution, uh, optical power distribution in terms of wavelengths, the blue doesn't contribute much uh, to the image. Uh, it's typically about 10 to 15% of the power. So long story short, you, you cannot really make uh, an efficient uh, display if you don't have an efficient red and an efficient green. These are very interesting charts. I want to point out something that uh, is very important for our viewers to consider. Uh, most folks are thinking that blue is less efficient uh, than red or green. And for OLEDs, that's true. Uh, but the reason is because red and green triplet state uh, phosphorescent emitters have existed for many years now for OLEDs but still not for blue OLED. Uh, so you have to think in an exact opposite way when you're talking about micro uh, LEDs because the blue uh, micro LEDs are very efficient and yet as you pointed out, and it was even showing there on your chart, um, Eric, uh, especially as you shrink the size of, of the red micro LED in particular, uh, so much of the edges don't emit and you lose efficiency uh, from the red dye. And so if you were to apply a blue LED with uh, red color conversion and green color conversion, uh, you could boost the efficiency substantially. Um, so this is a very important point. Uh, please continue. Yes, indeed, as you just say, uh, you can uh, literally harvest the relatively high efficiency of blue micro LED, and by combining it uh, with a red quantum dot converter, you can end up with a very high efficiency red uh, micro LED. This is definitely what uh, Nanosys is, is doing. And now that they've acquired uh, Glow uh, micro LED companies, they, they have all, their all the technologies in their toolbox. They have a, a good native red or they can make a very good uh, color converted red. So with all of this information, where do we stand on current adoption of this technology? Yeah, so in, in terms of adoption, so we, we've seen Many, many companies now uh, showing prototypes of micro-LED displays and for a very broad range of applications uh, that covers <clears throat> automotive, TVs, uh, augmented reality, smartphones, smartwatches, uh, etc. Uh, today, most companies are still at the stage of prototypes. I think a lot of companies initially underestimated the amount of effort you need to go from a, a prototype that works well enough to the perfect consumer display. So we, we might be in one of those, you know, 20, 80% conundrum where 20% of the work got you to 80% of the results. Uh, you think you're very close to the finish line, but there's much more that needs to be accomplished. Some companies are already there. So we, we're seeing the first commercial product. Uh, we've seen earlier all kind of uh, prototypes coming up. So I think we're getting close to a, an infection point. One of the key drivers, something that we are looking closely at, is uh, how successful or not Apple will be with their micro-AED endeavor. Uh, if really they succeed with uh, releasing a micro-AED display smartwatch that really is highly differentiating and wow, wows the users uh, around 2024, uh, you can be sure that's going to be a, a jolt for the industry and uh, accelerate development even further. But even without waiting for that, I, I think we, we've somehow uh, reached escape velocity for, for micro-AD. For many years, we were in a situation where a lot of people were interested in looking at it, but probably not putting uh, the amount of efforts that would have been required to, uh, to take off. So. Uh, there were limited resources, which means that uh, equipment makers were staying on the fence, not sure they should invest the time and money to develop equipment. And because there was no off-the-shelf equipment, it would slow down development, etc. I think now that we've uh, breaked through that vicious circle and we, we're seeing 
more and more people, more and more resources. Uh, Apple itself probably spent already more than $2 billion dollars uh, on their micro AD program. So more money, more people, acceleration of development cycle. So it, this makes me more optimistic now than I was just a couple of years ago about the prospect of micro AD. In your view, uh, what technological approach or approaches will ultimately get the broadest adoption? So uh, you've heard me say a lot now that there are, uh, for every single technological nodes and challenge, there are multiple uh, approaches that are being investigated. So we talked about different technologies for mass transfers. For, for the colors, we talked about color conversion versus, versus native colors. Uh, I, I'm not yet seeing a convergence. There's still like a, an explosion of uh, processes and technologies uh, that say it will unavoidably uh, happen. We, we're going to see the industry without uh, the worst technological solution, and we're going to start seeing some level of convergence. But ultimately, I think we, we're still going to see a lot of technology uh, coexist. Color conversion might be more suitable uh, for certain applications than others. Uh, a certain type of driving, uh, TFT versus micro drivers, uh, might depend on applications, etc. Uh, in the end, it's not that different from, say, OLED, where uh, you can see you have uh, RGB uh, OLED deposited by uh, uh, FMM uh, metal mask. Uh, you have white OLED, you have QD OLED. In the near future, we will have inkjet printed OLEDs. So all those coexist uh, depending on which applications and uh, performance you, you're trying to address. And I think the same will be true uh, for, for micro-LED. Does y'all have any forecasts on micro-LED adoption? Yes, so uh, we, we do in our, in our off-the-shelf report, we, we forecast uh, per application in terms of volumes, number of displays, uh, etc. Uh, it's always challenging to uh, forecast a technology that doesn't exist yet. So the, the way we work is we, we work by scenarios. So we, we have uh, a basic, conservative, and aggressive scenario. And, uh, and in our reports, we explain in great details uh, what is the roadmap and what are the, uh, the, the triggers, uh, the technology, market, supply chain. Uh, gateways uh, that are here to enable or to stop one scenario versus the others. Uh, but uh, overall, we, we are quite optimistic now uh, on certain applications. Uh, I think augmented reality could be one of the uh, killer applications for micro-LEDs. Uh, we're already seeing some products. Uh, we, we are not there yet. Uh, one of the major challenges for micro-LED is and will be to have a, a full color displays. Uh, but if this can be done, uh, and there are uh, a lot of technologies that are being investigated uh, to do that, we believe that microLED re really is a technology that has the, can offer the right combination of uh, cost, brightness, power consumption, and form factor uh, for augmented reality applications. Uh, we're also pretty hopeful with a smartwatch providing uh, Apple is successful with their endeavor. Automotive is also an interesting one because uh, micro-LEDs are bright, uh, rugged, high contrast. They can operate over a wide range of temperature. They last long. So what's not to love for an automaker? So the, the challenge now is still, of course, the, the cost and availability. But we believe that automotive could ultimately be uh, one of the killer apps for, for micro-LEDs. Well, that's, a, that's an exploding field by itself. Yes. Yeah. No, and uh, there's definitely enough money to be made there that uh, some display makers that are interested in micro-LEDs are at least for now focusing exclusively on, uh, on automotive. So for other consumer markets, uh, there's still a lot of questions uh, that remains to be addressed. Uh, we believe the smartphone is probably the, the most uh, difficult and challenging application uh, for the simple reason that OLED is already going, uh, uh, doing a, an incredible job in terms of performance and price. So uh, because OLED are already so good, uh, it forces microLED to go uh, push further into its limit in terms of uh, cost and price. So uh, we believe that Apple will use the smartwatch as a, as a beachhead uh, to kind of uh, test 
first uh, the acceptance from the consumer, but also uh, stress test their supply chain process, etc. And if everything goes well, maybe three years, four years after the smartwatch, we might see uh, a smartphone. Uh, for TV, it's uh, it's different. I think we we are going to see Samsung already as a TV on the market. Uh, it's pretty expensive, but if you look at in terms of dollar per pixel, for example, it's already 40% cheaper than last year's model. Uh, so if they can continue down that cost reduction road, uh, we might see some TV competing really only on the high tier of the markets. Uh, they're going to compete with the best OLED. They are not going to compete with LCD. Uh, but maybe by 25, 26, we, we might see micro-LED TVs in a, say, $10,000 range, which definitely not a mass market, but starts being a, a significant consumer market. Well, it's all very exciting, and it's a rapidly emerging new display technology. Um, Eric, this is most of what I had hoped to cover today. Uh, I'd just like to know if you would like to add anything. Uh, for instance, where can viewers go uh, to get more information about micro and mini LED displays? Well, I, uh, I encourage uh, uh, your viewers to uh, check our website, uh, w3imicronews.com. Uh, iMicronews is our, the media newsletter. Uh, you can subscribe for free to our newsletter, and uh, you can meet us at most industry events, conference, trade shows, etc. And uh, when we present on those events, our presentations are usually made available on the, on the website. So this is, a, this is a good starting point. And of course, don't hesitate to reach out and contact us. Well, I hope to see you at Display Week uh, 2022 oh, <laughs> in, in uh, San Jose in May. Eric, it's been great to talk with you today. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks a lot for the opportunity and uh, hope we talk again soon. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. Please don't forget to subscribe and click the bell for notifications when new episodes are released. Mm -hmm.